Hi, my friends, and welcome to this week's episode of Forte Catholic. I'm so excited that you are here. Father Anthony Sharapa joins me as the co-host today. I share some embarrassing stories that I have repressed so much that just popped up into my brain this week. <laughs> so I share those. We talk a little bit about uh, confession, the benefits of it, as I share these very strange confessions with all of you. Uh, we talk about coolness and how uh, our perceptions of each other's adults might be different than what we uh, our actual lives and what the actual truth was like in high school or college or now. We argue over who's cooler between Father Anthony and I, and I don't think the uh, result will surprise you. Uh, we also do, uh, what does Father Anthony call this segment? The Fancy Catholic Words, where he uh, intentionally tries to make me look stupid by <laughs> uh, asking me what these fancy Catholic words mean. I hope that you enjoy it. I would imagine that many of you would beat me on the round uh, this week. Uh, so if you enjoyed today's episode, please hit subscribe wherever you are watching or listening. Enjoy. Hello there. Welcome to the Catholic. I am Taylor Stroll. That is Father Anthony Scaramucci Serapa. Hello, Father. Hey, hey, buddy. How's it going? I'm going very well. How are you? Uh, I'm, I am. I am surviving. I'm hanging in there. Got a, well, got a big day coming up after this podcast and getting stuff done. At least trying to, you know, priest things. I tried to say that I'm doing well, but I'm actually exhausted. And I think yeah. that was in my answer. I said, I'm going very well. So yes. I'm, I'm, I'm just tired. <laughs> I'm at the end of a long week. You're just starting one. So you're you're starting the day off with the podcast. What, what are the other priestly things you're doing today? Uh, well, the big thing is uh, one I have to figure out what I'm going to preach about for the first week of Advent is this weekend coming up at the time of recording. <laughs> uh, so I've got to do that. And then uh, we have our first Friday Mass, which is we do like a whole hour devotion, uh, adoration, confessions, uh, fancy Mass. Uh, so I try to make sure I prepare a little bit extra for that, you know, more so than I would at regular old daily Mass. Jesus, you get Jesus gets your best once a month. <laughs> oh yeah, 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 absolutely. For like a regular Tuesday morning mass, it's like you know I look at the readings and we just you know, not disrespectfully, but I'm I'm not gonna spend a half hour preparing a daily mass homily, you know, let alone longer than that. Yeah, you're not gonna take longer on the mass to prepare for the mass. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then it's not gonna happen. <laughs> it would go crazy. I immediately. Um, uh, immediately popped into my head of you on a Tuesday morning like, daily mass uh, mm -hmm. saying, here I am, Lord. And the <laughs> is it I, Lord, is are you actually the priest scheduled to say this mass? Yes, is yes, that's, that has happened. Lord? <laughs> mm -hmm. Yes, I've definitely walked into the wrong mass before uh, on multiple occasions. Because I have heard you calling in the night. I did a bunch of house calls last night to the hospital, and I don't know where I am right now. So is it I, Lord? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I, yes, that's very accurate. So I would like to start with um, I would like to start with a confession. And we have this is a long running joke here on the show that you can't hear my confession. Uh, the, the long running joke ended in the greatest ending to a to a long running joke I've ever done in my life, where I started actually going to confession to you in a live recording at a focus conference. They're they're in making you choose were you going to hear my confession or refuse my confession, and you ended that by refusing to hear my confession. So I've asked you to hear my confession once, and you and you refused. So I understand now. That you cannot uh -huh. hear my confession over over Zoom or or through through podcast form, but Correct. I would like for you to. Uh, so 
I have a confession that I know isn't going to be absolved, uh, but it's it's okay. not just for you either. It's also for our listeners. But before I do that, I would like for you to explain to me as many as as many as you can think of. What are the benefits of going to like actual confession, like the sacrament? Oh, there is a lot. There's a lot. So sacramental grace. Um, a few things are happening there. One, um, you are um, being forgiven for all your sins. Uh, the big ones and the little ones, the mortal and the venial, they are as long as you do not willingly withhold a sin you're aware of, all of your sins are forgiven. So if you accidentally forget or don't even know that you did a sin, as long as you're genuine and don't try to withhold a sin from God through the priest, they're all forgiven. You are also strengthened. You're given grace to uh, fight against sin in the future. It's also just a very uh, spiritually humbling act that helps you reflect on what you um, need to pray about what you need to focus on. Sometimes you can get some uh, advice from the priest as well. That can be helpful with that. Um, and it's a way to take our spiritual life uh, more seriously. So it's got like kind of those regular old spiritual and, and uh, effects and the building of virtue as well. One of the ones that I hear all the time is like people, especially if they haven't gone to confession in a while, it's like, I just feel better. Like, right. even if you can, even if you can't like put like some fancy you know priest language on it, you're just like, I just feel yeah. better. I feel lighter. It, it felt good, right? So I understand that by doing this confession, I'm not going to receive the sacramental grace. I'm not going to receive absolution. And frankly, uh, one of them, maybe both of them, I might need absolution for. I'm not even sure. It's one of those, like, we're, we're kind of cramming Taylor's, one of one of my favorite uh, uh, segments with you is like, is this a sin? Like, we're, we're, kind, we're yeah. kind of in that realm of like, we're not sure if it is or not. Um, one of them, I think, is cancelable, although maybe not a sin. So, um <laughs> I think I'm going to feel better by saying this, but I'm also glad that you brought up. I didn't even realize you were going to because it didn't really answer yeah. the question, but it it is kind of apropos that you brought up the, like, you know, as long as you purposefully didn't leave this out. And both yeah. of these memories, these, are, these, were, these memories have been so repressed by me in order to protect me that uh, I, I hadn't thought of them. One of these confessions, I literally thought of, like, such a repressed memory that it popped into my head at like one in the morning after I was uh, like, I was in the shower after I'd gone to the gym for the first time in like years. So it unlocked something in my brain. <laughs> and I, I, I thought about this uh, because a big part of who I am is that I don't dance. Like I'm not a dancer. Like I, I, uh, I went, uh, I went to my sister's wedding uh, and like my wife loves to dance and I love yeah. my wife. But uh, my my hatred for dance is pretty pretty on par for the most part. Like she okay. gets one dance, maybe two, if I'm feeling like incredibly loving. Like if you want to see my best day as a as a husband, it's yeah. if I'm doing two dances in one night. That means I'm like this is the most sacrificial thing I could do in my life. Wait, I've got <laughs> questions. Like even like a slow dance with your wife because that's easy. Well, that's that's the, the so that's what usually happens if it's a slow yes. country song. You can easily uh, uh, fake that and just waddle back and forth while holding your wife. That's not a big deal. I mean, waddling <laughs> back and forth is just what I do. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I don't dance, and and a big part of this is like just because I'm a I'm a large white man, and yes. So I, I want to explain part of part of this because I I've always been a large white man, but now I'm a fat white man. But this mm. goes back to even when I was a large, just a large white man. Like yeah. when I was, you know, 6'2", 225, 6% body fat. 
large white mm-hmm. man. Like, yeah. you know, I I can move. I was a I was a college athlete. Like, I I have coordinated. It's not the it's just that no matter what I do, I'm gonna look silly because I'm large and white, right? Yes. So uh, I have said before that I can dance with my lower half or I can dance with my upper half. Just only one at a time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, back in high school, yeah, uh, I was I, I, I was on the track team and I was the only like white sprinter. There were like white guys that threw shot put or whatever, but like yeah. it was me and all the sprinters. It was me and a bunch of black guys. So we would walk into to parties and stuff together. I, I think I've told this story on on the on the show before, but it was many many years ago. Okay. We would walk in in like a flying V formation, like. Okay. <laughs> I was the like the the head of the flying V because that's just mm-hmm. how symmetry works. Like the white guy yeah. in the middle, and then the black guys kind of forming a V, uh, mm-hmm. kind of flowing away from me. And th- yeah. they were they could all dance like crazy, right? So yeah, they're yeah. they're dan- and then uh, let's I'll put it this way so that I don't have to go to real confession. I yeah. didn't do much dancing because the girls just took care of it when I was in high school. I just kind of stood there. Okay. Okay. So, so, so I, so I wasn't required to learn how to dance. I enjoyed dances, you know. Uh, so uh, uh, it, it was always fun for us. It was always kind of a fun thing. Like uh, one of them would be like, "Hey, you, come take care of this," you know. So it was. Take uh, care of <laughs> uh, so, what, what, what good pals? <laughs> so no dancing even then. Uh, but then I, you know, I, I was. I, I also like I see other light large white men like on the dance floor who don't have this inhibitor chip in their brain like hey you should yeah. be doing this and I'm like that's why I'm not doing it like that's why that's mm-hmm. why I'm not doing this because I don't want to look like that okay so that's all the background so in my mind all of that stuff is true all of that 100% happened all of that is 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 how I live my life like like every time we go to a wedding or some kind of celebration one one dance tailor just to make sure I stay married. Like that's that's the that's the bad memory, right? And then I'm in the shower last night and this memory pops up and I go, uh-oh. There's one story that doesn't fit with this narrative. Okay. <laughs> that I have I'm really excited. I'm I have really excited so much. So my senior year, I don't know why this was the case, but I remember vividly that it was for an English class. Mm-hmm. And for whatever reason, I guess it had something to do with Shakespeare and plays and acting things out. Sure. But we were doing, I guess, a modern version of it. Like you could go up and you could do a Shakespeare play or you could mm-hmm. go up and do it like a famous monologue or uh, to be or not to be. That is the question. Like that's what everybody else was doing. Sure. And then this other guy who like wasn't really even my friend convinced me to do something that goes against the narrative 100%. And I, okay. I, I swear to you, I haven't thought about this story in, let's see, I graduated in 2008. I probably haven't thought about this since like December of 2008, maybe a few months after I graduated and after this happened. So this would have been like my last semester in high school. I did a performance where I sang and danced, like learn the real dance <laughs> for the song Honky Tonk Badonka Donk. No, no, you didn't. <laughs> no, you didn't. Keeping perfect rhythm, make him want to sing along. Got it going on like Donkey Kong. And ooh, shut my mouth, slap your grandma. 
There gotta be a law, get the sheriff on the phone. Lord have mercy, how'd she even get the britches on with that honky tonk? But dog is dog. How were you not immediately arrested for this? I don't I don't know. I don't know. I did, how did the whole that thing. SWAT team come through the window to stop you from doing this. I don't know. I I graduated, they let me out. Um but like like they're the song's called a honky tonk badonka dog. Have you heard this song before? I just said yes, yeah, yeah. I'm very, yeah, I'm aware of it. Yeah, okay, because we, we you know, we're the, we're the same age. You weren't celibate at the time. You probably heard this song, right? Yes, and- I listened to music. <laughs> <laughs> and I I was I was like up on the stage in front. Of, I mean, it was an English class. There's like 25 people in it. I'm up on stage singing which like singing the singing it makes sense and it's a silly song so that kind of makes sense but no, i was like no. gyrating my hips like i was dancing no. No. to honky tonk badonka donk <laughs> and i i have repressed this so much because it is sh- so shameful and it just popped into my head last night and i'm like what why 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 is this popping into my I, head <laughs> I, wait, 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 wait a few things a few things here because there, there's a lot going on here first yep. i was celibate in high school because i wasn't married celibacy means not being married there we go okay uh, secondly secondly um uh you said that singing the song you know that made sense no it doesn't because <laughs> the context you gave us was this is an english class where people were doing like shakespeare okay right yeah yeah so i was doing a performance of a modern poet I think it was Rodney Atkins. Is that who sang that song? I don't know. I don't know the, the name of the guy. But I saw but him in no. concert. It doesn't make sense. I think it does. I, I I think that part matches with like the singing and the silliness when it comes to singing and like sure. me being silly. I think it matches. And I think the fact that I chose to do honky tonk donkey donk as like a poetry reading, I think that yeah. totally tracks. Okay. But okay, yeah. It's 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 the mental image of 18-year-old me gyrating my hips in front of my English class and, like, English teacher who's an old man. Like, it it doesn't fit with who I am, and I don't know who let this happen. <laughs> Wait, okay, it's, it's more, more. I, I have to, we have to, we have to talk about this more. So, okay. um, w- did you, like, practice choreography? Or I was did. just like a freestyle. So like you were by yourself in your house. No, I wasn't by myself. I told you that someone else was in in on this with me. And okay, I don't so he think, helped you. I don't think he danced. I think maybe he played guitar. Like he had to have something to do with it. But yeah. I think I think it might have been a prank on his behalf because I don't remember him <laughs> gyrating his hips. Okay. <laughs> and so the implication is that the 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 honky tonk badonky donk in this uh, performance is 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 yours. Because you were the one gyrating the hips. You were singing about your quote-unquote badonkadonk. <laughs> Quite possibly. Because it's about, it's about, the song is about a woman. Right. And like, yeah. uh, and like what's his name? Uh, Trace Adkins. I think I said Rodney Adkins. It's very confusing that they're both popular in country music at the same yeah. time. But like he's he's singing it about a woman. And he can sing and, and gyrate his hips. And it's it's not about him. But yeah. Uh, let, let's just say my my uh, my badonkadonk wasn't as badonkadonk back then. Okay. So maybe maybe it was about me. Maybe it wasn't. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I I genuinely don't know. <laughs> you can ask as many questions as you want, and I think the primary answer is I'm not sure. I don't know what happened. It's like I I want to go back and like see how I was convinced to do this yeah. because it goes against. Quite possibly everything I stand for. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I can I can see imagine a scenario where like you know 
people are going to take this very seriously and you think it's silly. So let's do a silly thing. But you didn't think it all the way through to actually being up there in front of class doing this thing. It was purely theoretical until it began. Then you had to repress everything because it was an embarrassing moment. I, I'm still trying to like retrieve the rest of this memory. Like you, yeah. you've played Assassin's Creed games before, where it was like oh, there's yeah. things from the past, and you have to like go, like a big part of Assassin's Creed is you have to like run around the map and like collect memories to make it a full story. Yeah, I want to say maybe there was a girl involved. Like maybe hmm. I invited a girl up on stage to dance with me, or that was the goal. I don't, I, I, but I couldn't tell you if it happened See, or if it's you know what, what I desired to happen. We can, you know what we can do with our memories that we try to fix our memories to make them feel better, right? Uh-huh. So maybe right now you're like, oh, there was definitely a girl involved to make this normal. I'm sure there was. And then you actually begin to believe your own like lie to make yourself feel better. So I would caution you against that. Yeah, I just I, I just don't know. I don't know. So uh, th- that's my confession. And I wanted you all to know it. And I, I don't know why, but it's ingrained in me as a Catholic that when you do something bad or shameful, uh, that you should say it out loud, and I'm—I wasn't sure if it—if it—if it reached the level of sin, which is why I felt uh, safe sharing it here. Yeah. But I figured it would one be enjoyable for the people listening, uh, but two, also I feel like I got it off my chest, and that there's a there's a um, th- there's a part of me that that made a mistake and, mm-hmm. and did this thing, and I I I am both ashamed and also like that was kind of funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no, no. So what you did was definitely bad. It was definitely shameful, but it wasn't necessarily sinful. It depends on actually the radius of the hip swaying. And there's a certain like mathematical equation, certain amount of hip movement is okay. And then becomes not okay. So I, I, I wasn't there. I can't judge, uh, but we'll say it's probably okay. This is fascinating because I have an image <laughs> of like you in my English class, in my school, doing this thing. <laughs> like it's... <laughs> Right, right after someone else did Shakespeare and yeah, Homer exactly, and, 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 and you know, like the final passage from *The Kill a Mockingbird*, and I'm just like, "Whoa, <laughs> that's amazing, amazing!" <laughs> wow, we really did live opposite uh, high school lives because everything you tell me about high school is like you were the cool guy, you are um, the athletic guy, popular guy, and I was a total nerd during high school. Uh, it was a big high school, so I had a bunch of nerd friends, so that was fine. But I was all about dancing at dances. Like for me, it was like, oh, I don't want to be one of the guys who's awkwardly standing in the corner because that's not cool. And so I would learn how to dance by seeing the guys who could dance and mimicking their thing. And I was fine. I enjoyed that a lot. It was a lot of fun. I, I too, was fine standing at a corner. I just had a, a company. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Once again, different, definitely different high school experiences, just overall. I... Cannot picture you dancing. Uh, wh- when is the last time you like went for it dancing? Um, it was at a family wedding. I forget. But um, the last time I danced uh, as a priest, so I went to this early on as a priest in my first few weddings I did. People always invite you to the reception, and I would say yes. And I soon realized I'm not doing this anymore. When I decided I'll never do this again, is that there was a dance. Uh, there was a wedding reception. The dinner was very awkward because um, I was sitting with all these like forgotten aunts and uncles. And it was just the conversation was it was all weird. Right. Also, people get really drunk and then they ask you to hear your confession. And I can't hear your confession when you're drunk. And it's just super awkward. Um, and then went to the dance floor because that's what I do. I enjoy doing this. And uh, people started immediately taking out their phones and videoing me. 
And I was like, oh, this is not okay. We do not need this. That, that's the reason you don't do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then I went to grab a drink, and then the bartender said, were you a dancer before you entered seminary? And I was like, I'm never with, doing this again. <laughs> with some implications? I don't know what the implications were. I didn't want, I didn't want to continue the conversation. I don't know what never you mean mind. by that. I don't, I don't want alcohol anymore. Goodbye. Yeah. What do you mean? Was I a dancer? Like, was that my profession? What kind of, what does that mean? <laughs> that could mean a lot of things. What are you talking about? This is weird. I'm not ever doing this again. Never doing this again. So okay, it's only so at how, like, yeah. How long ago was this? So last time you publicly danced... There was some shame involved as well. So Absolutely. Thinking, yeah, so public dance would be, a, you know, six years ago. It was only, like, the first few months of priesthood, those first bunch of weddings, I was like, never doing this again. Um, uh, if it was, like, a family party or a wedding, the, the shrapas go crazy. We all drink and dance and stuff, and it's very just kind of nobody cares. So I'll do that. That's fine. Uh, but no more, no more public dancing. People can't handle it. I can't handle it. It's too much. You can't handle the dance. It's true. They can't. I am the lord of the dance. They're like, oh no, oh no, a priest has has hips. This is this is this is fascinating. Like, no, it's not. Calm down. Uh, I'm glad you brought up coolness, and I want to circle back to coolness. Don't uh, yeah. don't remind me later to for us to talk about the difference in coolness from the two of us. Okay. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Before we get there, I do yeah. I do want to move into the other story. That yeah. uh, is not as repressed because again, um, the the honky tonk badonky donk story is so <laughs> like so does not fit the narrative. Like there's a yeah. narrative of my entire life, and there's this one blip. Like what the hell was that? Ignore that. That never happened. And then the rest of my life, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. This other story, one hundred percent fits with the mm-hmm. narrative of my life. Okay, but I've never shared it before out of fear. Mm. So again, this is uh, uh, possibly a confession. This, so the the other thing I f- like the honky tonk badonky donk story. I feel a lot of shame for, and I know yeah. that I should. This yeah. other story, I don't feel shame about at all. I'm actually mm-hmm. quite proud of it. But modern culture is telling me that I should be ashamed of it and probably apologize. But mm-hmm. I'm not sure what I'm going to do about it. So I want you to help me out with this. So okay, uh, have you ever done karaoke? No, really, I haven't. I know. I, I kind of want to, but uh, I just never. The, the opportunity is not actually. You know what? The opportunity presented itself one time when I was hanging out with Father Harrison in Canada, and I chickened out and I didn't do it. Oh, I, I, feel, man. I feel regret. I feel regret. So uh, I am coming back to Pittsburgh twice this summer. Uh, nice. Hopefully, wh- hopefully one of those times I'll come hang out with you again. That's what we're doing. That usually okay, cool. the primary thing we do is like go to your brother's baby shower or go to a casino. Yeah. The primary yeah. thing that we are doing is going to a karaoke bar. So, all right, uh, you've never done karaoke, so this is a harder question. I thought this would be easier, but yeah. uh, since you have not done karaoke, you're going to do karaoke with me for the first time here in mm-hmm. like six months or so. Uh, yeah. Any ideas on go-to karaoke songs? Because I know your style of music that you enjoy. Yeah. But I, I'm not sure if that's like you like you have brought me. You just shared your Spotify raps with me this morning and yeah, you like insane. weird stuff. And like yeah. you can't really do weird stuff at karaoke because it's not going to play to the crowd. Right. Like, right. I can't do like J pop or J metal or uh, like Slavic stuff. I can't do that. Well, I would. I think my go to would be uh, Can't Stop by the Red Hot Chili Peppers. 
because uh, Anthony Kiedis doesn't have like a gigantic vocal range. And I think I could nail that song. I listened to it all the time in high school. I was a big Red Hot Chili Peppers fan in high school. I think that would be the one I'm most comfortable with. And I think it'd be f- a fun song, too. Okay, that, that's fair. I, I, I'm i not sure I'm super familiar, but I'm not a big Red Hot Chili, Pop, Red Hot Chili Peppers fan. You'd recognize actually, it, but yeah. I actually think they're one of the most overrated bands of all time. Uh, but that's, that's, <laughs> that's, that's a story for another day. Um, how I'm imagining you doing karaoke since you've never done it before, since you didn't have the scale before priesthood, I'm imagining you chanting it. Like, honky tonk, but donk a dong. Keep it perfect with them, makes you want to sing along. Got it going on like Donkey Kong. And ooh, the ooh was the odd man. I hope you picked up on that. Like, that's uh, how I'm really picturing good. you do karaoke. Yeah. Uh, but okay, so my go to karaoke songs, um, recently like i have gotten I, I have grown in my singing ability as i've gotten older right and yeah. I, the more i've honed the skill and i got some training and, and just experience right so now i like doing the like hard songs because mm-hmm. they're they're impressive like that's that's what i like to do now sure but when i first started doing karaoke like literally the first time i ever did karaoke uh i was able to be pretty free with my choice because i was on vacation in Branson, Missouri. Okay. It's Vegas, but without uh, professional dancers like like people thought you were. You know, there's a bunch of shows and there's a, there's a you know, uh, what's the place called with roller coasters? Amusement park. There's an amusement park okay. you would go to. So, <laughs> so I was at a hotel in Old People, Vegas. Meaning there's like barely any other like families or kids there. The only people that I know there are my parents and my sisters and they're not there. I'm just like wandering around. I, I think I was at the pool and they were doing mm-hmm. karaoke like outside the pool. Like there was a pavilion where they're doing karaoke and everybody nice, else yeah. was in the pool. Right. So uh, I was in junior high and have I, have, have I shared much about my junior high experience with you? No, just in okay. general high school, but not like junior high. No. Yeah. So junior high, um, you think you think I was cool in high school, which I think gradually through the years I got to be there. Uh, mm-hmm. Junior high was a very different experience. I, I was okay. not cool at all, and I was an outcast because, uh, long story short, I was given two options, be racist towards black people or be black, and I chose being black because that seemed like the the least problematic of the Okay, two. yeah, so, okay. <laughs> uh, uh, I'm not saying it's not problematic at all, but I'm just saying <laughs> it was the least problematic of the two options given to me by, by mm-hmm. my community. So- uh, all the white kids were racist, and so I hung out with the black kids, and they, they then they called, you know, they were like, oh, all he does is act black. Okay, fine, whatever. I didn't have, I wasn't good at making friends. Um, and honestly, I think I was right in the long run. <laughs> yeah, I, think- I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the choice to not be racist, always a good choice. Yeah, right. that choice. <laughs> and uh, by the time we got into high school, uh, let's just say there was some, uh, I, I picked the right group of people when it came to coolness, right? Okay. Uh, yeah. and, and the racist uh, might have gotten their faces beat in while we got into high school. Because I, mean, I, I, yeah. I, I went to the white feeder school. Uh, the the black and Hispanic kids were another feeder school. We got into high school, and it was a lot harder to be racist. I'll just put it that yeah. way. <laughs> <laughs> so this uh, this was in my um, all Taylor does is listen to rap, play sports, and try to be a rapper. Like I, I was trying to be Eminem, right? Yeah. So my first ever karaoke song was "Welcome to Atlanta" remix. Okay. Have you ever heard the song "Welcome to Atlanta"? Um, I'm, I think I have, but I couldn't. I couldn't like. 
Okay. It's, it's a familiar. pretty popular song from like when we were in junior yeah. high, right? Uh, the remix had Jermaine Dupree, Snoop Dogg. You've heard of him? Yes. Yes. Uh, Ludacris. You've heard of him? Yes. And then one of the guys, from, uh, one of Nelly's friends. Like it wasn't Nelly, mm-hmm. but one of his crew that like was like representing St. Louis, right? Yeah. So rapping wasn't new to me, but impressions was new. So I did Ooh. like... Like, I did all the voices. Like, I did my Ooh. Jermaine Dupree impression. I did my mm-hmm. Snoop Dogg impression. Like, I, tr- I, mm-hmm. and I, think, I think that was probably the best one. I did my Ludacris <laughs> impression, which is fun. And then I did yeah. my uh, St. Louis guy impression. And yeah. I did the whole song. Uh, I, will, oh, I will say the whole song. I, I didn't say the cuss words, and I didn't say the words that white people aren't allowed to say. Right? Like, okay, I, I wasn't. Uh, that I was wasn't my, a- <laughs> <laughs> my immediate fear was, like, you went to this public pool and no. started dropping N-bombs. I was like, oh, no. Okay. No, okay. I did not. So I, I, was, I, was a good, I was a good boy, but <laughs> it's still strange, right? It's still strange that yes. my first karaoke song was uh, a, a rap song where I was mm-hmm. imitating four black people. So... It, again, not the proudest moment, but I look back on that memory with way more fondness than I look on the Badonkadonk story. Yeah. Uh, what, what say you? I've, I've now revealed a second thing about myself. Yeah, yeah. So I think I think the, the uh, Badonkadonk story, like you're more at fault for that, right? There was planning. <laughs> there was like thought put into it. Whereas like, you know, young middle school or junior high, Taylor was like, oh, I want to sing karaoke and this is music that I like. And right. looking back on it, you're like, oh, eh, maybe not the best choice, but like there's an innocence to it. There's a, a genuine like it. It's it's just you trying to have some fun with music that you like. Um, so that's that's definitely uh, potentially embarrassing, but nothing to be ashamed of in that much uh, in that sense. Whereas the Badog Dog story, um, like I said, a SWAT team should have like crashed through the school windows, taking you away to Supermax prison um, and uh, like bound your hips in some sort of metal contraption where you're never allowed to move them again uh that might have happened <laughs> that last <one>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it, it is just funny like i i think about that uh, that memory more often because i'm fonder of it. like it's just kind of like yeah I, you know i wouldn't do that now but like it was of the time it happened whatever right yeah and yeah, yeah. Uh, I was watching the show. Have you ever heard of this show called The White Lotus on HBO? No. Okay. So uh, not the most uh, appropriate or Catholic of shows. I'll just put it that way. But there was, uh, there was one. There was, we're we're uh, almost done watching season two. It's one of those shows that mm-hmm. we, we, we hopped on the bandwagon pretty late. We watched season one just like a few months ago. And even though it came out years ago, season one, yeah. or se- yeah, whatever. So there's an old guy who actually you know. Uh, F. Murray Abraham, he was he was the old guy in the show you and I watched together in Mythic Quest. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. the mm-hmm. old guy, right? He plays yeah. essentially the same character in the White Lotus okay. season two. He's <laughs> nice. o- old, clearly of a different generation. Uh, yes. you know, a womanizer. Uh, you know, everybody's ashamed of everything that he says. Blah blah mm-hmm. blah. Right? Um, n- not a role model. I'll put it that way. Right? Well. Um, this is clear in the episode. So in, in the, in this season, he's like the grandpa of the, of the family. Uh, mm-hmm. one of the guys from the Sopranos is the dad in the family. So like, I, I thought about you and the, the Italian, uh, quite sure. a bit cause it's a very Italian family. And then the son is probably 20, 21. You know, I think he graduated from Stanford. So maybe 22, 23. Right. Um, 
so it, it's it's cool kind of seeing this relationship between these three guys of very different generation. Like the son is ashamed of the father, or like sorry, the father is ashamed of the grandfather, and the mm-hmm. son is ashamed of the father. Like they're they're clearly both of different generations. Yeah, and it's kind of played for comedy and also kind of something like you want to be. You want to be in the show, want you to be kind of disgusted with both the father and the grandpa, right? For different yeah. reasons, but also whatever. Um, but there's a there's a quote from the F. Mary Abraham's character, the old guy. And it re- I, for whatever reason, it really stuck with me. Like, I took one, like, usually when I watch stuff, I take notes about stuff that I like want to talk about or whatever. The White Lotus is one of those shows that I can't really, like, talk about or recommend. <laughs> Even though yeah. it's very, very, very good to watch, but I can't recommend it on something like this, right? I would never recommend it. I really enjoy it, but I could never recommend it on something <laughs> like this. <laughs> I got you. I got you. Yeah. Um, but here's his quote. He said, "They used to respect the old. Now we're just reminders of an offensive past that everyone wants to forget." Hmm. And I like it. Just put it into perspective for me, because we all have this. Like we all just came back from Thanksgiving. We're all going to be with our families again, hopefully at, at Christmas time. And we, there's just always been this, you know, our our our, our ancestors are, are uh, we're, we're ashamed of them. They they were alive when the, like uh, booths were segregated. They were alive yeah. when uh, you know uh, men weren't good husbands and fathers, and they were cheating on their wives. Like that was all so successful. Now it's not. How dare they? And it's like, it's it's this idea of something being of a different time. Like mm-hmm. now, if I one. Now, if I did it as an adult, clearly, like if I did, uh, you know, did Welcome to Atlanta and imitated the voices, if I did it right now as an adult, I would definitely be canceled. If I did it now as a teenager, maybe, maybe not. Definitely more frowned upon now than it would have been 20 20 years ago or whatever. Um, But I, I feel like a lot of times we look at our parents or grandparents or like older generations and we're like, Oh, they're just how, how how can they not see this when like that's how everybody's gonna look at us too for certain stuff, and Absolutely, this was yeah. I just thought it was just a really good perspective of like we used to respect our elders like literally we were all taught as kids respect your elders, uh right. it's it's one of the commandments you know and we seem to have just kind of forgotten it we're like oh no and 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 I, and I like the second line it's like we're just old people are just reminders of an offensive past that everyone wants to forget. And I was, I just thought that captured so much how our modern culture and like us treat the elder people in our society. I just thought it was this beautiful picture, per, like a perfect snapshot of how, of our culture from this guy who's incredibly complicated and not a hero. Anyway, what do you think about it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on there. Um, the more I learn about like the 19th century from like World War One to the craziness that was like the 60s, 70s, um, it's it's that time is such an insane time on multiple levels of church, of culture, of nations. Um, and I think we are fooling ourselves if we think that if we were plopped back into that time, we would be as virtuous as we think we are. I think there's a there can be a balance. You can say like, oh, those things were wrong, right? And what people did or said or uh, you can, yes, absolutely, those things were wrong. Um, but there's the additional desire to judge those people or condemn them. And this, this is it's hard to like describe. Like, um, I can. Uh, the, you know, there's always the big argument about um, the nuclear bomb, right? In like Hiroshima. And you could look at that and say, yeah, that was definitely wrong. You know, our, our faith says, like, 
you know, straight up bombing civilian populations, that's wrong. Um, and I stand by that. But also, if you get into the details of what really happened in the Pacific Theater, you're like, well, you know, I, it's wrong. But I also kind of get it. Like, I'm not condoning it, right? There's, there's almost like a kind of modesty and humility and like, that wasn't my time. I can say that's wrong. But to judge myself as morally superior, I think that's a line that we have to be more careful about. I think there needs to be a, a humility in that. Um, yeah, especially when it's hindsight 2020. Like, yeah. you know, of course, you know the right answer now. We just play it out. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, and a lot of times I think, you know, the the uh, to condemn others and hold ourselves morally superior is often just a smoke screen to keep us from seeing our own faults. Like, if I'm morally superior to those people, I don't feel so bad about the stuff about me that's wrong, you know? Um, so I think that's that's the, the, the tricky thing of looking back at history. Um, there needs to be a respect for people who went through it. But you can still, like, yeah, you can say, like, that was wrong. That was bad. Um, and uh, you can condemn those things. But to hold ourselves morally superior or a kind of, I'm not sure what the right word is. Uh, but there's a kind of judgment that I think we should be more reserved about. Um, learn from, not do again, of course. But to see yourself as morally superior, it's like, well, you're, you're probably not in a lot of ways. Um, I agree know. with you with one clear exception. Okay, what? I 100% condemn my old self for doing the honky tonk badonky tonk. <laughs> Hindsight is 2020. It's all right. Yes. It's, the, it's, it's the one exception to everything that you just said. <laughs> That's fair. I guess, you know, okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll take that exception. All right. Well, we're going to take a break and then we're going to come back, come back and talk about uh, how cool we were or weren't when we were younger. Not going anywhere. Over on the Forte Catholic YouTube channel, we have a series called A Catholic Perspective, where we look at some of our favorite movies, TV shows, books, things in pop culture uh, through a Catholic lens. We try to find the good, true, and beautiful in some of our favorite movies, TV shows, and books. And I've been saying and books for a long time because for over a year, I've been preparing uh, and wanting to record, edit, produce a video on the subtle art of not giving a, well, you know, you've probably heard of the book, New York Times bestseller by Mark Manson. And I finally sat down and recorded my first ever book review. So if you want to check that out, it's on youtube.com slash Forte Catholic in the Catholic Perspective series. Uh, You know, it's it's, I would imagine that the book is for some of you and not for others. And that's what the review is for. Uh, So go check it out. We have all kinds of other stuff over on our YouTube channel as well. That's not here on the podcast. YouTube.com slash Forte Catholic. Go subscribe today and listen to our newest video. Welcome back to Forte Catholic. I am Taylor Stroll. That is Father Anthony Scaramucci, Shia Rapa. There's this interesting thing about perception and Mm -hmm. uh, certain, there's reasons that I share stories like I just shared in the the previous uh, segment, uh, because I think certain people, certain people think I'm cooler than I actually am. And other people think I'm way less cool than I actually am. And it's all about Mm -hmm. perception or how I've been in certain situations, whatever. But you said something in the, in the previous segment that kind of surprised me Mm. where you you think I was cooler than you were in high school. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm not a hundred percent sure. So I I would just want to get your perception and I'm going to see if I can clear up any perception. Um, what made you not cool in high school and what do you think made me cool in high school? Oh, that's a good question. So I, I kind of said that like half jokingly because in my brain, there are two understandings of cool. One is if you're popular, you're cool, right? 
the other one is, I think, uh, the one I respect more is, like, the more you are comfortable with yourself, the less you care about um, people's opinions of you, except for, like, close friends, people who can actually, you know, call you out. But the, the more you are comfortable in your skin, the more genuinely cool you are. So you can have someone who is uh, a nerd or a geek or whatever else, and they can be cool because they're just they are who they are and there's something refreshing about being around that person right so um uh, with regards to like high school and stuff in a lot of ways i was not cool as far as like did not play popular sports or anything like that i had a group of friends but i wasn't like well known throughout the school or anything like that um uh i was you know, socially awkward I dated a little bit but not a lot you know so that stuff wouldn't make me like cool in that first sense of being popular Whereas just, you know, you, you love telling all of your millions of listeners how fit and how much hair you had on top of your head and what a great sports player you were. In my brain, that's that like typical sports kind of player, huh? Sports. Exactly. <laughs> well, you, 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 you know, some things change, some things don't. You, you played all the sports ball and you were good at it. And, uh, you know, um, we're comfortable, more comfortable in social situations. That's what that version of cool is, um, which is why I don't mind calling myself uncool because that's not a value i care about so much if that makes sense uh it's interesting i i agree with you in the coolness of like being comfortable in your own skin because i i I agree with you especially as i've gotten older and maybe away Mm -hmm. from high school the more comfortable you are and who you are the more like attractive you are to other people not i'm not meaning like in like a you know dating sense or whatever but it's like when you walk into a room people want to be around you that sort of thing right exactly yeah uh let's put it this way me being good at sports did not make me like in every TV show what the popular, the good at sports kid was. Yeah, like yeah. I was, I wasn't that kid, right? So uh, that's why I was like a little like thrown back of like I wasn't, I really wasn't that cool. But um, <laughs> what's interesting is even in junior high, like even in the th- like the like uh, you know Welcome to Atlanta Taylor was <laughs> like I, I I made a choice in who I was and I didn't really care what people thought. So like even then I was pretty yeah. confident in who I was. Um mm-hmm. I, I listened to a comedy podcast that's like um tell me a time that you were inauthentic to yourself. And I think a lot of people that knew me in junior high would say that I I was being inauthentic to myself. And I was, I still look at that time when I had very little friends and people didn't really like me. I was like I, I don't know. Like I think I think I'm standing for something. I, I might have been a little bit more mature than some of my people my age right yeah i was like I, no i'm standing on who i am and you don't like it and that's fine yeah. right you know um, exactly yeah uh in high school it kind of like when it came to like public perception of like the cool like other people telling you you're cool <laughs> that sort of thing mm-hmm. it yeah, took yeah. later like by like junior year senior year i actually because i like ran in church circles and sports circles and i was loud you know kind of funny and had a personality i i ended yeah. up being one of the people that was like a catalyst for like doing things that were against the rules let's bring the band together with the sports people the sports people together with the church people and like so like later on in high school i did have like a bit more of a social life right so there's a little bit of truth to it but not i i wasn't the star quarterback on the on you know friday night lights or whatever right um but i'm interested now and i want you to be honest Mm. who do you think is cooler now me or you oh that's a great question uh we're just we're very different people aren't we it's hard to we are um (laughs) uh i mean one being a priest that's normal like that's such that's a bar that so many people can't clear 
either because they can't be ordained or they can't be normal. Right. And I'm both of those. That's that's right. a big win for me, right? Uh, where if, if I wasn't a priest, I would just be like regular normal, which isn't as impressive. Um, so that makes me pretty cool. Um, I used to podcast, I guess. But I don't know like if that makes me cool anymore, especially not with like Gen Z and stuff. Um, uh, you, um, the way you can navigate social circles, don't get me wrong. There's a lot of people who hate your guts, but like yeah. the, the kind of confidence <laughs> that you have is like something I admire about you. Um, and I think that's very cool. Um, the fact that you like, you have built, you know, this whole media thing you're doing, uh, and that you, you know, from doing this on your own to doing this, uh, on a radio show to editing, my uh, one-sided rivalry uh, with uh, <laughs> Father Mike Schmitz, who's five foot two. Um, that's pretty cool. So I'm gonna give it to me just because of the priesthood thing, right? Just not a lot of people can be a priest, and so I win. I I th- I think so too, and I think one of the biggest. Um, I also do a lot of leadership stuff too, which leadership stuff isn't necessarily coolness, but I think there's a connection yeah. here. Where it, mm-hmm. it talks about like who is the person that walks into the room and takes over the room, and yeah. I, I was literally thinking about it because like you brought up coolness in the first segment. I have notes on coolness in my phone that I wasn't planning on using today, but you yeah. brought it up. Um, but you and I have walked into rooms together, mm-hmm. and there have been more times than not. I, I would say, especially like at Focus Conference, this was at like yeah. especially at like the height of your coolness. I felt mm-hmm, very mm-hmm. small next to you yeah. when, when we would walk in. You were the cool priest. You had all these, you know, 25,000 followers on Twitter uh, back yeah, yeah. when Twitter existed and was cool. Uh, yeah. Like, there were multiple times where I was like the small fiddle in groups of people that we were with. Mm-hmm. We were with other, we were with your <laughs> your rival. Like, we were yeah. with big time people in this room. And it's like, I looked around and I don't, maybe this is the pride in me, but I looked around and I was like, I might be like number 13 out of 16 in this room. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I'm prideful enough to put a number, but humble enough to put me at 13, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Mm-mm-mm. Yeah. Um, but there have been other times where I walked in, I'm like, no, 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 no. Like, I owned that room, you know? So yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. Th- th- there's, <laughs> but like, like, so there's one that I'm not quite sure about because there's one where you were very comfortable. And mm-hmm. like, uh, actually, I, I think I am pretty sure. The last time we were together, we went to your brother's uh, Prager Kicker thing for his baby. Yes. I think you were like coolness. I, again, I think you were like number one or two, and I was like number 13 of 16. <laughs> like, I, I, so it, it is interesting to me that like yeah. you have this perception, whether true or not, about high school. But now mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. I think the priesthood helps, and I think the fact that you're like a fun – I am funnier than you. But you, uh, because you're a priest, people respect your comedy way more. <laughs> uh, uh, we, we have certainly different senses of humor in a lot of ways. Um, um, I definitely believe that you think you're funnier than me, and that's fine. Um, but um, uh, it's also, like, unfair, like, because that was my territory. There's something about that. Like, there's definitely a, a coolest factor about how people react to you. And, you know, focus, that was that you're my territory. Uh, my brother's house, that's my territory, right? It's actually, I mean, wow. Just yeah, claiming yeah. Nick's territory. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I just <laughs> ran in there. No, no. Um, uh, so it's, yeah, the, the, the social aspect of that kind of thing is, is interesting how that plays. Um, 
Like when uh, I came to see, uh, uh, to, came to your place down in Texas, uh, and you were doing like the whole um, trivia thing. And like you knew what you were doing, you were like talking and harassing the people who were playing the game and stuff. Like that's so cool. Like I couldn't do that. That makes me uncomfortable <laughs> even thinking about having to do that sort of thing. You know, it's like so natural. I'm like, what? What? That's amazing. Um, you know, stuff like that. I uh, I really respect. Um, so so yeah, I think a lot of it has to do with like the relationships you've already built up, and once you feel left out of a circle, and you and even at the party, the burger kicker. You know, you ended up talking with people and and having a good time, and I met I met a lot of friends and enemies that evening. <laughs> yes, exactly. Like, so you could have just like been a fly on the wall and like just quietly been the awkward guy, but no, you just you jumped right in, and that's very cool. I think we're giving it to you, which is which yeah. is very which is very interesting. I think it's interesting for a few reasons because it kind of breaks the the like high school narrative, right? Of like mm-hmm. what makes somebody cool now. Um, Versus what makes somebody cool in, in high school when your brains aren't developed, you know, like people yeah, liked yeah. you more back then and they liked you more now. Um, but you kind of mentioned it in our first conversation earlier about, mm-hmm. about coolness. So like, what is it? I, I guess coolness kind of moving into the attractive thing. And again, not in the like, Oh, look at me. I'm attractive. But like, yeah. be like people want to be around you. Right. What do yeah. you think are the qualities of a non high school student, like as an adult, uh, our, our age now, what do you think are the qualities of somebody that can walk into a room and immediately like take it over in a good way? Like they're not Hitler. They're not like, this is my house now. Right. But, they're, yeah, yeah. but like people want to be around it. What do you think are some of the qualities of that person? If you can make other people feel seen, known, loved, uh, even if it's in little ways, you know, like, uh, it's one thing actually I'm really bad at. I'm really bad at names. Um, but you know, uh, good priest buddy of mine. Uh, you met him. He's the he was a really big priest, Father Nick. Uh yes. he knows everybody's name and everything about them. Like once you tell him something, he remembers it. And he is just this uh one, he's just a big presence, and that helps. He's just a giant, he's like Andre the Giant of Priests. Uh, but he also is so gentle and caring and has a good sense of humor, and everyone wants to be around him. For those reasons, like he makes you feel special just by being around him. And he doesn't draw that attention to himself either. He's not drawing the conversation to himself. He's just a part of it. Right. So it's almost like he's the catalyst for social interactions, but he doesn't do it in a narcissistic way. And I think that's really impressive if you can do that sort of thing. Right. Where um, your skill of, quote unquote, controlling the room consists of making other people feel seen and known uh, and a part of the group. Another good friend of mine is the same way. He's got this like charism for like he could walk into the room with a bunch of strangers and make them all friends around him, right? Without making himself seem like a bigger deal. Like that's very that's a very cool attribute. Um, so I think that's the biggest thing for me. Um, yeah, let's go. Yeah, with that. and and it's interesting. There's a, again, it, it, there's a lot of this connects to these leadership books that I listen to on Audible, right? Sure. Um, People, uh, I know he's kind of polarizing. I, I like I, I, y'all. Actually, started a podcast to uh, bash him, but like people like Jordan Peterson or like my guy <laughs> Zig Ziglar or whatever. Like uh, one of yeah, the yeah. big things in like um, in leadership or management or like if you want to be a people, uh, if you want to be a person that people can flock to, right? Yeah, it's 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 pretty. It's along the same lines of what you just said. Is the they are the most important person in the room, and when they walk into the room, they make you feel like the most important. Yeah, person in the room, right. Mm-hmm. And 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 I think that's one of the bigger things that I like that I keep focusing on. Every every book kind of words it differently, but that's kind of the theme, right? Where I mm-hmm. think my skill is I can walk into a room 
where no one knows who I am and can make myself seem more important than a lot of people in that room. <laughs> I, yeah, I think you can do that. Yeah, I think I think that's where my skill set is. Right. I, I yeah. think I. And it's one of those things that it's like, it's a good thing. It has its pros and cons, right? Yeah. I can walk into a group of people like your brother's house who mm -hmm. I don't know. And we were all like dying laughing. I was dying laughing with the priest, which ironic enough, he was doing like what you just said he does. He was doing with yeah. me while I was doing yes. my thing with him. Right. Like yeah. never, never <laughs> met him before. We were all dying laughing. We're all having a good time, but right. I don't think I made anybody feel loved and seen. And I, I might've made a few people feel unloved and unseen. <laughs> <You> know, like, <laughs> well, there's something about like making whatever thing you're doing an event. Like, um, like when you're there, it becomes an event. It becomes something special because, um, of your charisma and the way you kind of work the crowd and everything, um, which makes everyone feel better. Cause you're like, Oh, I'm at something cool. You know, Taylor's here. He's, he's cool. I'm at something cool. Right. So there's something about that, but it is a little bit different. Um, and you know what, you know, what the thing is like, so just as a side note about the, um, cause the thing with the word cool is it has so many different meanings and we use it all the time for a bunch of different stuff. So we're, we're touching on different things when we say cool, uh, which makes it a fun conversation. But the one thing that Jordan Peterson does very, very well, which is why so many people gravitate toward him is that he points out, um, especially how many, you know, young guys gravitate to him. He points out the hurt that people feel and then doesn't make you ashamed of feeling hurt, right? And that's something very special. That's, that's, that's where his power comes from. And then he gives direction of how to get better, right? Whether or not you agree with his, uh, the way he does it or his own personal affiliations and that, the fact that he can be like, um, this pain that you've been hiding away for so long, I see it, it's real, and you're not bad because you feel it. And that's something that's really powerful. You know, I do. I'll, I'll rip on Jordan Peterson as a as a human being, but that's one thing he does as that's a very good thing. Yeah, that was and a little bit of a tangent. We're talking about coolness, no, but I just no, 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 it, it's yeah. it's fine, and it's it's one of these things that like that. I hear that that quote pretty often. The, the the at least something along the lines of that quote, like yeah, you know, an important person walks to the room and makes other people feel like they're the most important person in the room, and that is a yeah. it's it, it's a challenge for me. It's just not mm -hmm. what comes naturally to me, right? And like you mm -hmm. said, like. I think for a while when I heard, you know, I started listening to leadership books maybe eight years ago, right? When I started yeah. being a leader, you know, like that's a good time mm -hmm. to start, you know? And part of me, I, I, I used to always beat myself up for like how I am. Like I'm just, I'm just <laughs> a lot and uh, you know, whatever, right? I used to, yeah. and as I've gotten older, I've gotten, and like, I've tried to fix, like I've tried to become the person that makes everybody else in the room feel but, and I'm just like, that's just not, it's just not who I am. Right. So it's, it's like part of it is a character flaw, but mm -hmm. part of it is just like, it's just not what I bring to the table. Right. Yeah. Um, but there have been times and I've, and I've noticed it and there are people in my life that for whatever reason, think I'm way more important than I actually am. Mm -hmm. And me having a conversation with them, me befriending them, whether in person or online, like makes them feel like an important person in the room. Like, oh, I'm friends yeah. with this podcast. I'm like, I'm not that, I'm not that cool. Right. I'm, I'm, really, I'm, really, I'm really not. But I but I've seen it, right? I've I've seen yeah, yeah, people, yeah. people have that experience. Where like what's very strange is that feels weirder to me than me just being the like the life of the party. Like that's right. that comes more natural. And yes, I can feel bad about it sometimes. Like, oh, I I went and I was the life of the party. I didn't make it about everybody else in the room. But then it feels kind of strange. When somebody's like, oh, you know, 
Taylor stepped down from his chair to come and speak to little old me. I'm like, I'm t- I'm recording a show in my living room. Like, I, it's not, it's not, I, I don't know. So it, it's this weird thing yeah, where it's yeah. like this thing that I strive for and I'm trying to be better at. And then I get it. And I'm like, this is weird. And it feels like it messes with pride stuff. Like, it's a, it's a weird, strange thing where I'm just like, I don't know, man. It's just easier to be the life of the party and half the people love me, half the people hate me. It's just easier. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's clean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, sometimes about being the life of the party, it's it's an advantage to people because, like, then the pressure isn't on them, right? There's something like that. People appreciate that. Or they they or they or hate you for it. So that's why they get the polarization effect. But that, that because I've had that experience, too, of people who, like, see more in you than you know you are. And that's a very terrifying experience. Um, because you don't want a person to get that self-esteem from you because you are, uh, I say you in a general sense, cause you know, me as well. Um, cause you know how fallible you are, you know, your sins, your secrets, your wounds. And you're like, Oh no, 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 no. Don't, don't judge your worthiness on, on, on me. Cause that's, that's not going to be good. Cause if you find out this about me, or if you like, you know, if I say the wrong thing, or if I forget your name, all of a sudden you come crashing down. It's like, Oh, that's a lot of responsibility. Um, when the other person is in a healthier place, it's just like, Oh, you know, I, I feel seen and known. And that's, that's a good experience. That's good. But I'm not basing my whole life around that. But when you have a world where people are so isolated or wounded, um, or insecure, um, that can be like a two-edged sword where they can latch onto you. Like even with my social media thing, one of the things that bothered me the most was that people cared whether or not I blocked them or responded to their tweets or commented on something. I was like, you shouldn't care about that. Because I'm like, like my bio said at the time, um, Pittsburgh's okayest priests. I saw myself as a very average priest in Pittsburgh. I still do, you know? Uh, most of the time, I'm just doing I mean, regular parish real, stuff. Every, yeah. you're, you're a little below average at this point. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, and like, I knew that, you know, I said okay is to kind of actually give myself a little boost, right? Um, so, like, but then, like, when people were were trying to get their own validation from knowing me or, like, seeing a like for me, it's like, oh, that's that's a horrifying responsibility that no human being can or should have, right? Um, and this is also how, like, you know, like... <laughs> It's also how cults are formed. You know, you get a charismatic person who makes you feel good and like can take advantage of that. Ooh, you know, um, having that kind of influence I'd, can be a I temptation to power as well. So much more money, and I'd be so good at it. I was so good at you that video so game. Good. Everybody got yep. mad at me for playing. I, yeah, it, it would be great. I'd be, I'd be rich. I'd like those You'd are my two t- options: yep. become a hateful Catholic or a cult leader, and I'd make so much more money than I do now. Yep, those are those are the easy ways out, you know. Um, but then you probably go to hell, and that's a bummer, you know. So, uh, being bummer, being, yeah, yeah. being a mid tier podcaster and great editor, and, and just you know all around decent guy, that's probably the way to go. Yeah. So the thing that I've been thinking about is uh, l- looking at the life of this guy from two thousand years ago that walked around on in, in the Middle East. Uh, uh, Jesus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You heard of him, yeah. So yeah, yeah. He. Uh, he was the coolest person in any room he walked into. Any scenario yes. that he walked into, he did a lot of. Yes. Uh, there weren't a lot of rooms. He did a lot of stuff outside. Uh, <laughs> but you know, anytime he walked into a place, he was the coolest person in the room, and like that was like a a realization for me, a revela- a, you know, a small yeah. R revelation for me, where I'm like, because like all of our definitions of cool, like I don't, I don't necessarily see Jesus as cool. Interesting, like. I see him as like the Lord and Savior, right? Like, yeah, I, that's I, more important. I, I, I wouldn't look at him and say he's not cool. 
But I wouldn't yeah. look at him and say he's cool. Like, but by every definition of cool that I've heard for years. Yeah. Uh, and like, honestly, he talked a lot and they killed him for it. So like, I could connect with that. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Hey, you, you, you open your mouth. Half the people love you. Half the people hate you. I'm with you, my guy. Like, yeah. it's the most validated I've ever been by like, it's like this thing that like may or may not be a character flaw within me. Jesus also had (laughs) like he walked in the room and said stuff and half the people loved him. Half the people wanted to kill him. And you know what they did? And the ones that loved them really loved them. And the ones that killed him really killed them, or at least had the Romans help. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I don't know. It was just this weird thing of like, I've never seen Jesus as the cool person or the like, suave or in control and yet in every conversation we've ever heard he wins like you're like yeah yeah, yeah. He, he he's the most loving and like the woman at the well like he says he says things that should be like condemning and they're not condemning and she mm-hmm. loves him you know, and then she gives her life to him. and then we see the pharisees and they try to trip up they have planned their conversations to entrap him like i often do with you here on the show and yeah he 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 weasels his way out of it like he's cool right and i just never associated <laughs> jesus being the cool guy that walks into yeah. every room completely takes it over and makes everybody else other than the pharisees and sadducees feel like the most important person in the room like jesus the king of the earth made like a sick person meal feel more important than him he's god yeah. it's unbelievable yeah, yeah. so uh what you're saying is you're a great pharisee and i'm a terrible jesus and i agree with both of those things um, amen but i'm I- not i don't know how you came to that conclusion but i'm not gonna disagree. you're good at trapping me i'm bad at getting out of it that's what i'm saying yes. there you go. There you go. <laughs> um uh but you know there is i think it depends on the lens through which you because i think i think preaching i think most preaching has made jesus uncool um because Jesus is very cool in that kind of – it's not the most important quality he has, but, like, Jesus is cool in the sense that he's a total bro. Like, James and John, you're the sons of thunder now. That's a cool right. – the, the guy who can give cool nicknames, that's cool. You know, Peter, Peter you're, you're rock. You're rock. And that's going to be really cool in the 2000s. You have no idea. Oh, yes. man, I wanted to be thunder. That sucks. Yes, right? He tells these – straight up silly stories that are filled with irony and humor. We, we miss a lot of that. It's like, you know, you're, you're worth more than Mary, uh, many sparrows. He's joking with you, right? He's saying something <laughs> real. He's telling ridiculous stories of like uh, a mustard seed that grows into a tallest tree. No, it doesn't. It doesn't, Jesus. I have Wikipedia. It doesn't do that thing, right? He's, but people are like entrapped, you know, and enthralled with this, you know? Um, he, uh, he tells a story about a quote unquote good shepherd who is the worst shepherd in the world. You do not leave 99 sheep out in the desert. That's a terrible idea. You're an insane shepherd. Right. And he tells these like fun stories that flip our perceptions on their head. Right. Um, and, uh, yeah, there, there's something about that, that I think we, we miss a bit of that, like the humor, the humanity of Jesus that, uh, that shines, you know, forth from him, uh, because of his divinity. Um, but also, he does the one thing that um, it works for him. It does not work for anyone else. Um, he, in many ways, says that he's God and he is the most important thing. And most of the times, that makes you uncool, right? But for Jesus, it's actually true. Like, all right? Anyone who says, I'm God, or like, I am the way, the truth, and the life, that's an insane person you need to get away from. Well, with Jesus, it's actually true. And it's actually a good thing to know. So, so coolness. And I, I think I was thinking about the like the the leadership quote, like this thing that I've been striving yeah. for, like 
it's interesting that Jesus only did it some of the times. Yeah. Like, it depended on the situation he was in. Yeah. Like he did not walk into the room as the leader and make the Sadducees and Pharisees feel like the most important person in the room. But he no. did it with the sinners. He did it mm-hmm. with his disciples. He did it with the nobodies, right? Um, but if he came at him, I mean, you called him broke. Like, literally, come at me, bro, right? Like, like yeah. <laughs> it, 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 it was. So it What's was, the worst you can do? Kill me? That's fine, too. I'll be back. You know, it's I'll like. like <laughs> Can't kill me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I don't know. It was just this interesting thought that I've had over the last few days of like, Jesus is the coolest person that's ever lived, which yeah. isn't something I've ever thought about before this week. <laughs> and it sounds like a terrible youth pastor thing to say, <laughs> Jesus, you think you're cool. Let me tell right. you about real coolness. <laughs> right. But I, I think you're right. I think you're spending too much time around Nick. Uh, I, <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> Because I say it without a drip of irony at all. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> like, legitimately, he's the coolest person that's ever lived. <laughs> yeah, right? exactly, exactly. And, and, and like, uh, like the way that people flocked to him then and still mm-hmm. do, like, the fact that people flocked to him at the time and he was cool then, and the fact that yeah. he did something lasting, like, yes, of course he's God, but, like, he was also a person. Like, he did something that was lasting and people still flocked to him, and there's something to that, and I haven't really come to my final conclusion yet. I just wanted to talk it out here on the show. <laughs> yeah, I think that's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just it's just framing it in a different way. That uh, yeah, yeah, that was good. Okay. All right, we're gonna take a break. Whenever we come back, we're gonna talk about some uh old Catholic stuff. Don't go anywhere. One of my favorite things throughout the week is uh reacting and responding to you guys like in our Instagram DMs or on Twitter, uh, especially with a lot of the clips that we share from the show. Uh some of I know there's a lot of people that don't even listen to this show. They just watch it through clips, and that makes me very angry. But a lot of you are watching and listening to the show and then interacting through the clips. And it's just so much fun. It's it's fun to see the things that that connect with you guys, the things that are um, uh, controversial, the things that are fun, the things that you're like, oh my gosh, I didn't realize anybody else thought like that. Uh, So that's a lot of fun. You can connect with us on social media and I'd love to connect with you guys. Uh, At Taylor Schroll on Instagram and Twitter, at Forte Catholic on Facebook and Twitter uh, as well. And I think we're on uh, TikTok, the old TikTok, uh, at Taylor Schroll as well. So uh, I love interacting with you guys. Keep sharing those comments. Keep keep sharing those DMs. Uh, we love to hear from you guys and it makes the show better. So uh, thanks and enjoy the rest of the show. Welcome back to Fort the Catholic. I'm still Taylor Stroll and uh, I- I'm a bad Pharisee and he's a bad Jesus. What did you say? <laughs> oh, good. I'm good. You're bad. That's what I heard. Okay. So uh, I've been thinking a lot about the oldness of the Catholic church. I was listening to a comedian the other day and mm-hmm. he said something that genuinely shocked me that really shouldn't have. But I'm going to say it to you and see if it shocks you at all. Okay. The The New Testament is incredibly old. I said, yeah. Jesus. I never <laughs> thought about that before. I was like, oh, this is new and fresh. Yeah, fair It's 2,000 years old. Maybe 1,900 if you believe the biblical scholars. Like, it's <laughs> unbelievably old, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, we think of, like, the uh, Declaration of Independence as old. That's new. That's, like, brand new in comparison, you know? <laughs> <laughs> the Declaration of Independence is old and the New Testament is new. That is so very true. It's a yeah. weird perception of time thing. Uh, but I've been thinking about, a lot about like the oldness of this faith that we're in and just like how mm-hmm. we don't understand time. I think part of it, like you know, the segment we talked earlier about like the F. Murray Abraham guy and him talking about old, like it wasn't that long ago. Like I just listened to a podcast about the, the flowers of the sailor moon. What was it called? Oh, what? <laughs> flowers of the sailor moon <laughs> podcast? 
No, the movie, uh, the Killers of the Flower Moon. That's what it was. Uh, I have no you idea what the... you're talking about. Really? I want to see. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. It wasn't Sailor Moon. It was Flower Moon. So uh, it's like the new Scorsese movie with Leonardo DiCaprio. It's all about like it, it was like the every story... Scorsese movie. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It was. The, it was. It's the story of like white people screwing over the Native Americans, right? And it seemed yeah. like the story sounds like it was so long ago, dude. It was the 1920s. Yeah, like. It was a hundred years ago. I listened to a podcast yesterday where uh, the grandson of one of these people was saying how it's still affecting his family. Like it's only been a hundred years, right? Like that's a hundred years ago, and yet our church is two thousand years old, right? So like, yeah. I know, like, it, I was just reminded and kind in a strange way, found a little consolation. Again, not the whole. It's not the whole ending of the story. It's not like everything in the, our world and our church is solved, yeah. but just like. Our church is old, and I've seen yes. a lot of people, like, especially on social media where there's more outrage than there is in real life, but, like, mm-hmm. just like, you know, oh, why hasn't the church done this? Why hasn't the church done this? Why is it taking so long to fix this? Why are we, why are we not doing this? I'm like, bro, like, it just it just moves differently. Yeah. It's, it's a 2,000-year-old <laughs> organization that has withstuck... Your Twitter account lasted how long? Eight years? And it was a huge deal? And then it wasn't a thing anymore? Yeah. Yeah. It flamed out because you couldn't handle it. And the Catholic <laughs> Church has been around for 2,000 years. Yeah. And it, it, it just moves slower. Like, I've been thinking about, like, our pace of life. There's been a, a lot of these leadership books or even just, like, podcasts to listen to. There's been a theme of, like, we just we're moving so frenetically. Everything is so new. We, we're moving so quickly. We need to slow down. And like, I get the outrage. Like the things that people are mad about are like genuinely things to be mad about. This bishop, yeah. that bishop, this priest, that priest, this scandal, that scandal. Like, but it's it's one of those things where it's like you almost can't get if, if you're any student of history at all, you can't mm-hmm. get mad at the church for moving slow. it's just just how it does things it's just how it does things like for better or worse right like Uh i i can agree with you in the sense that like look man uh most of the things that martin luther put on his 95 feces or whatever he put onto the door like most of those things are things that the church ended up changing (laughs) like yeah, yeah, reform me. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It just it just didn't move as fast as he wanted, right? Mm-hmm. So, is there some blame on the church for not do, doing those things correctly? Sure, but there's also blame on him for just not being patient and looking at 15 years of church history. Like, <laughs> so I guess what I'm saying is, yeah, yes, yeah. when the church messes up or people in the church mess up, it's yeah. the church's fault. But it's mm-hmm. also our fault for like, like there's so many people just so discouraged with the church. Uh, of like these these quote unquote new problems where it's just like the church is old man it'll mm-hmm. still be here in 100 years you won't like you know, like yeah it, it's gonna be fine uh so what do, what do you think about that that's just that's been like i've just seen so many people mad and upset about everything and everything all at once like the movie and i i just i'm just tired of it i'm like look man it just is what it is you're not gonna change yeah. it with your twitter account <laughs> yes I, I absolutely agree you're not gonna change it with your twitter account um it's it's like uh, oh, another thing that people are fresh, like one, the church, it changes, but it, there's a lot of stuff in the church that just doesn't change, and we get freaked out that, like this or that's going to change. Like, no, it's not, it's just not, you know. Right. Uh, like the more um, pertinent stuff right now, as far as like uh, accountability, transparency, and that stuff. Yeah, it'd be great if we could change that stuff tomorrow. Um, but uh, it's 
Is it going to change tomorrow? And is it, does it need your help? The answer to both is no. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And that's a tough thing because one of the weird things about like social media is that um, we see injustice, way more injustice. We're aware of way more injustice. And there's, and if you see injustice, you know what you should get? You should get angry at injustice. And that anger should be the motivation or like the fuel to help you change it, right? To bring about justice. That's a good, healthy use of anger. Our problem is that like, it doesn't matter how angry you are, you can't do anything about it, right? Um, and uh, then that anger like boils over and you don't know what to do with it. And that causes a lot of like problems and actually makes the problems worse. At the same time, like, like people who are, I don't want to get, you know, we usually don't get too specific or, or uh, about events in the show, but like, um, there was a lot of outrage about uh, Rupnik recently, and that did cause a change. A little one, not enough. There's something there, you know? So it's like, yeah, there's something there sometimes. Um, but I think the bigger thing is like we, no individual is going to be the center of this change. Um, and that's frustrating. That's and you know who definitely isn't going to be involved in that change? What? Who? Someone from middle America. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you're not also- going to solve uh, the Rupnik problem from here. You're just no. not. Mm-hmm. And it's the church is going to make mistakes. People are going to make mistakes. And it's going to go slower than you want. Just yeah. deal with it. Like there, there's just some, <laughs> there's some resolution to that for me. Like I, I'm not even joking. It's been freeing for me. I'm just yeah. like, look, man, this is just how things go. You're not going to change it. Neither am I. You're not going to do it on your social media account. You're not going to do it, period. So just let it go. <laughs> <laughs> there's, okay. There's something to that. I did, like, and in that, and, and what you're, you're not saying that any of those things are any less horrendous or evil. You're saying like, I can't change it. Right. Right. Uh, but like, yeah, there's, exactly. There's so I think much a, bad in, in the world ways, that I can't do anything about. I just can't. I can't. I can't tell you how many people I've told in the confessional to stop reading about church news. And it's not that I'm trying to repress the truth or anything like that. It's like, it's just not good for your eternal soul right now. And that should kind of be the first thing we focus on. It's not so, selfish. Wait, 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 wait. Yeah. Have you told people to unsubscribe from the pillar in the confessional? I have not said specifically <laughs> to unsubscribe from the pillar. I have said... Stop. It rhymes with Miller. <laughs> it's, like, there may be a publication... Uh, it's it, it's rhymes with Ben Stiller. No, uh, but like, if this is causing you to sin, then and I think those guys would agree. If the pillar is causing you to sin, then then unsubscribe from the pillar. I think they would agree with that wholeheartedly. Um, uh, so there's there's that, but there's the there's also an underlying problem where uh, we forget about we. It's actually it ends up being a lack of faith in God. Follow me on this. Um, we treat the church. I wasn't going anywhere. <laughs> yeah. Um, we treat the church like any other purely human institution that if you, um, quote unquote, vote the right way. I don't know how Catholic votes. If you um, uh, protest, if you do all these things that normally change institutions, worldly institutions, then you will change the church. And that is seeing the church as a purely human institution where it's not. It is both human and divine. And literally, and I don't say this as uh, to be quaint or to be overly pious, the best way you can change the church is to become holy. If you're a parent, do your best to be a good parent. You know, do your best to be a Catholic in whatever workplace you are. That stuff matters way more in eternity 
than any of your damned tweets. Like it just doesn't. It like the like if you are able to pass on the faith even a little bit, you know, to your child. If you're able to um, convince someone to go to confession one time. If you uh, bring someone to mass. If you yourself do those things, that moves and changes eternity far more than any protest. I mean, don't get me wrong. There's a place for that, and there are people who can do that, and they may even be called to do that. But for most of us, simply becoming a saint, that is what changes the church. And that's one thing you can do. Like, before we before we tweet or before we protest, before we do these other things, which, you know, may on paper look like a right thing to do, how many of us ask, is this what Christ wants me to do in this situation? Or how many times have we brought our anger to Christ and complained to him about it before we complain on social media? And I'm accusing myself of this too, because I, I mean... I may seem very happy on this podcast. I am just filled with utter rage and contempt for a lot of things that are happening in the church, right? So I'm I'm guilty of this, very much so. Uh, I have not been able to let go the way you have, Taylor. Um, this segment might be for you. It just yeah, might. It might be. Yeah, yeah, it's part of it. Um, you know? Uh, but yeah, it's like that's actually what matters. Um, and it, it's because being faced with all this evil that's real, you know, we've we've lost a little bit of our faith. We've lost a little bit of our trust in Jesus. Like it's his bride, it's his church, it's his body. Uh, and if we don't believe that somehow this is a part of his providence in some sort of way, um, then it's a lack of faith on our part. And we become just like any other worldly institution. We become no different. And that's bad. I agree with you. And it was very hard to stay focused during that because it was so very good that if there is one person listening to this that yeah. thought of the song that I thought of while you were doing this, they are now my best friend. Okay, what is it? Typically, you're supposed to do broadcasting and like talk to everybody. Yeah. I, I just want to talk to the one or like the, the 1% of 1% <laughs> of listeners. Yeah. If you heard just an underbed, of the song Man in a Mirror by Michael Jackson under everything, like the little seven-minute <laughs> diatribe Father Anthony just did. I, what I specifically heard was like a slow acoustic version that doesn't exist. Yeah. <laughs> like while you're talking and all this eloquent things that you're saying and it's this beautiful introspection, this beautiful uh, advice for everybody, I'm starting with the man in the mirror. <laughs> I'm asking him to change his ways. So everything you said was good, but I just saw like a reincarnated Michael Jackson coming back to give us a slow, stripped down acoustic version of that song. And I heard it as the underbed for everything that you just said. That's both uh, a terrifying image and also not that kind of encapsulates what I said as well. So I, I have mixed feelings about this whole thing now. <laughs> oh, it's ridiculous how perfect that song fits for this. Yeah, okay, it, that, so it works. We're going we're gonna to finish the show in the most Fort Catholic uh, uh, way ever. Yeah. We are going to prove the oldness of the church, our love for the church, and yeah. our love for uh, how long our church has been around, that we have now forgotten what words mean that the church has been using. We're bringing back fancy Catholic words, where you, the priest, uh, who have lear you, know, you learned a bunch of useless stuff in seminary that you don't need, uh -huh. that you didn't get taught any of the stuff that you needed in day-to-day -day priesthood life. Amen. One of That's those, true. One of, the, one of those things being fancy Catholic words. Uh, how many of these ha have you prepared for us today? I got one, two, three, four, five. I got six. You can't look at a screen and say that six. You have to count them out one by one. Absolutely. I also have to sing my ABCs if I want to find a letter <laughs> in the alphabet. So... 
Uh, you're an idiot. Okay, let's keep playing. Let's, let's start the game. Okay, so yeah. what you're going to do is you're going to give me a fancy Catholic word, and I'm going to define it 100%. And I'm going to do it with as much confidence as I could possibly, possibly muster. Okay. All right. We're we going to start off with, with, the, uh, with the easy one. We're going to start off with the easy one. Um, and it's it's seasonal as well. So that's the only hint you get. Oh, I thought um, that was the, the word. I was like, okay. no, no. <laughs> no, no, no. This, 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 this word is technically two words, but we're going to go with it. It's a phrase. O antiphons. The O antiphons. I actually know this one. I don't know all of them, but I, I know most of them. Uh, it's the thing that I get mad about that we don't sing every Advent. My church didn't sing the famous, the only famous Advent song is an O antiphon. The, uh, uh, I almost said, Oh, Holy Night. That's not it. Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel. Like, mm-hmm. so that's the famous one that we all know. And there's something about, I don't know, there's not eight days of Christmas. There's, there's 12 days of Christmas. There's like eight or something. There's, there's seven or eight of these O antiphons and we, we say them, uh, leading up to Christmas or in Christmas or something. I don't know. Something to do with Christmas and it makes me angry that we don't sing them. That's, that's what uh, the antiphons I agree are. with all that. I agree with all that. So they're, <laughs> they are the antiphons, which is kind of like an, int- an introduction to a, a psalm or a prayer. And there's seven of them that lead up to Christmas. And these are said in evening prayer. Okay, um, let me and- see how many I can do. Are, are like it, are, are they as connected to O Come O Come Emmanuel as I think? Like one of them is O Come O Come Emmanuel and Ransom Captain yep. Israel, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, o Come Thou Day Spring, come and cheer our spirits by the advent here. Uh oh Day Spring. So actually I only have the Latin in front of me right now. I'm trying to like quasi-translate them. Die springeten. I don't know. Yeah, no, that's German. That's the German. <laughs> uh that might be one of the- I don't think it's one of them. Oh, wait, no, no, no. So uh, uh, you want to keep guessing or do you want me to tell you what I've got here? Uh, go, go, yeah, you, do what you prepped. <laughs> okay, so O Sapientia, which is O Wisdom. You got O Adonai. O come thou wisdom from on high. Yeah. yeah. Uh, o Adonai, O Lord, you know. Um, o Radix Jesse, I guess that's uh, Root of Jesse. No, uh, no, o Come like, Thou Root of Jesse Stem. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there you go. Um, o Clavis David. So something about King David. Uh, uh, seed of David, I think. Oh, I bet that is. I bet that is. If, if I'm wrong, that's awkward. But keep going. <laughs> yeah. Okay. This one. This one's one that's tripping me up. Oh, Oriens. Oh, oh. I don't know that. I don't know uh, Latin for that. The, oh, the Oriental guys that came and brought gifts to him. There you go. We'll go with that. <laughs> um, that's only mildly problematic. Okay. You've got um, O Rex Gentium. That sounds the, pretty the easy. Gentle King. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking of the Gentiles, but okay. Um, and then it is just I, funny because he had a little baby butt. <laughs> God had a little baby butt. That's not that's, a sentence I thought I was going to say today. And it's not incorrect either. And then O Emmanuel. So there you go. Yeah, yeah I've heard that one. Okay, cool. Okay. I, I I got. Wait, is that? Do we do those? Is it leading up to Christmas Day or is it the Christmas season? It's leading up to Christmas, so it's the seven. Uh, Evening prayers before Christmas. Okay, that's what that's what I thought because O Come O Come Emmanuel was one of them. And uh, so what I used to do when I was a music director, so I get mad anytime somebody doesn't do exactly what I want them to. Uh, we would every mass, I would so there's four t- typically four Sundays in Advent, and I would sing the opening song was O Come O Come Emmanuel, yeah. like that chorus, and then I would do the next chorus, and then the next week I would do. Like yeah, course I love one, that. and then course two or three. It so makes perfect over sense. The, over the course of the four weeks, we sang them all, and uh, it was a cool thing. And last Advent, my church didn't sing "O Come, O Come, Emmanuel" once to the point where like the opening song ended, and I was almost in like the nineteenth pew, like "O Come, O Come." <laughs> <laughs> 
and you know what? It's it's four. It's basically four masses, right? And everyone loves Okuma Okuma Manuel. Just do it. Just do it for four masses in a row. Every no one's time. gonna be mad at you. Everyone the, loves that song. One fourth Sunday of Advent. I did it as the opening and closing song. Like it's a killer love song. It. People not love mad it. about <laughs> it. Let's, you know, just take music ministers. You have so much to do for Christmas. You just just do Okuma Okuma Manuel <laughs> the entire season. Nobody will be mad at you. I agree. Right. Okay, so when you called me. This was the first, and asked, like, hey, can we do fancy Catholic words? This is the first one that popped into my head. Okay. I had to look it up. But I was like, oh, well, there's a thing. There's a weird name for it. Okay. So I don't know if I can say it right. Let's try this. Antimensium. Antimensium. That might be pronounced incorrectly, but antimensium. Yeah, I think it is pronounced incorrectly because that's the reason I'm not getting it. Antimensium. So anti uh, either means with or against. So that's a that's a big choice I'm going to have to make. Uh mm-hmm. I'm going to say it's uh, against, and uh, menzium has the word men in it, so anti-man, and this is going to be a, um, this is going to be one of those uh, heresies that was saying that man isn't good and that only God is. That's what I'm going with. Uh, You are so close to being correct. It's actually not a heresy. It's actually a truth that all men are, are, are evil completely. Um, and that's what we're going to talk about in the next uh, Synod on Synodality to bring back that teaching. Um, now, some people will say something different. They'll say that this is a – you know what a corporal is, Taylor? Yeah, uh, right, right in the military. <laughs> yes, a corporal in the military. So a corporal – I have to use a fancy Catholic word to explain a, can, a fancy Catholic word. So a corporal is a linen p- piece of cloth that you put on the altar. So that's where you put your you put your chalice on it. You put everything on this corporal. Corporal meaning body. It's where the body of Christ is placed. This antimensium is a fancy kind of corporal that has usually a um, relic woven into it. So we know that our Catholic altars all have uh, relics inside of them because we kind of our faith is built on the faith of the martyrs or the saints. Right. So this is kind of like it's a Greek Catholic thing, but it's like a portable altar. So you got this neat cloth that's got a little relic in it. And my pastor has one of these, and he uses it for his traveling mask kits and stuff. I would be too afraid to own one because what happens if I spill on it? How do you clean that? I don't know. I don't want to deal with that. But that's yeah, what the anti is. I was like, you just lost a relic, man. That, that's, that, yeah. that was my worry for you. Yeah, 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 exactly. So it's like, so it's a, it's a corporal with a little, little relic in there. It's kind of neat. It's a neat little right. thing. Remember how earlier I, in the first segment I said, hey, we're going to have to talk about something in the second segment? I'm going to do yeah. something now that's very dangerous for both of us. We're going to have to do something the next time we record together. We're going to have to remember a month from now, and hopefully the, the listeners can help us remember. We're going yeah. to have to do a segment where all the stuff that gets put on the altar, yeah. we're going to have to give them all military names. Like, okay. the corporal is the corporal. We're going to have to say what everything on the altar is. General, like lieutenant, private, lieutenant, private. Yes. General. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're going to have to do that. So, But let's put yeah. that down for later. Um, we, we have been going for quite some time. So you have prepared six. We're only going to do one more, and we're going to play. Okay, I got the perfect one. Okay, we're going to do one more. This is it. Okay, I'm going to say it once, and I'm going to spell it. So hold on. Okay. Sext. Oh, boy. S-E-X-T. Sext. I, uh, <laughs> I was really excited <laughs> to give you this one. I I I I know I know what the answer is, but um, my all I'm gonna say is my first initial is T, and that's the first thing that I thought about. So uh, <laughs> this this is one of um, we're doing lesser known words, and this is one of the lesser known things about the church that actually uh, litters the hours is the official prayer of the church, not the mass. We'd all think you know the 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 summit and the. Uh, 
glory. What's the term? Heightened <laughs> source and summit of our faith is the Eucharist. Of our faith is the Eucharist. So therefore, the mass is the most important prayer. No, the official prayer of the church is liturgy hours. And even within liturgy hours, so liturgy hours, this beautiful prayer that helps people like me who have a space brain that goes everywhere during prayer, where I like I start praying and then 13 minutes later I'm playing a game on my phone. I'm like, how did I get here? I thought I was praying. You know, uh, this uh, liturgy hours helps me to stay focused. It helps me to pray with scripture. All these great things, right? Uh, even though I started doing Liz the Hours, even I don't do the sext one uh, because, uh, one, it's just weird. Uh, I, I, I just had a conversation with a, with a friend of mine who uh, he said that him and his family, they're a homeschool family, so it makes sense. He was like, yeah, 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 yeah. We're, do- we're doing, we're, we're, uh, my, my son is doing sext. And I'm like, you can't say that your high school kid is sexting. You just can't. You just can't do that. <laughs> you, you can't, like. You can't say that in a normal place. Like you have to realize when you're homeschooled that you're not normal. Like you can't just say that out loud. But sext is one of those. Uh, it's one of the lesser, even even lesser used liturgy of the hour prayers. I forget which hour it is, but it's like lauds is in the morning and vespers is in the evening and Compline mm-hmm. is at night. Those are the three that like normal people pray, but yeah. other people pray sext, and it's just super weird that uh, celibate people are praying sex all the time yeah so um uh i also i hate it when people use the latin phrase for it like oh do you want to pray and a lot of, some of my priest friends do this so you uh, did you pray laws yet are we praying morning prayer or evening prayer don't don't use your magical uh words on me just tell me what we're doing morning prayer evening prayer so sex i is- I, I disagree with you i think for for no reason at all yeah laws vespers and compline have to be said like that but sex definitely has to be like n- other morning prayer you just can't say it <laughs> See, um, I, I'm going to take the opposite. It's morning <laughs> prayer. <laughs> it's opposite readings, morning prayer, sext, and then complain. Um, only, uh, uh, only a young celibate man would say something like that. <laughs> Listen, I like the the aura sexta. It's it's the it's oh, the aura sexta. It's <laughs> Anthony. Is this how we're ending the show? We had such a great show. Uh, it's it's, it's midday prayer. It's midday prayer for anyone. It's like the prayer you would say at noon. I. I... I guess also explain what the, you just said. Or a please, I, I, please, I guess please explain what you just said. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's Latin. Is the Horus Exa is the hour of noon, basically. So it's um, uh, it's, it's I, midday prayer. I already hated it. I hate it even more now. Mm-hmm. I like. What are we doing? What what, what are we doing? <laughs> what is the church doing? We're like, I'll tell they, you. I'll they, tell you what have, I'm doing. They have to know. They just have to know. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you what I'm doing. Is oh, that we talked don't. about like <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh. I won't stop making jokes I, I until ha- fifty more popped into my head. Um, uh, p- please for the love of God. I'm hearing <laughs> other Michael Jackson songs and you need to stop. <laughs> <laughs> but basically when I look up these words, I, I look up I go to like Catholic Encyclopedia and oh, see ones no. I recognize. You didn't go yeah. to this, did you? No, 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 no. I mean, I, I kind of like, oh, what's the, I was like, what's the Latin term for like liturgy of the hours? And I was like, oh yeah, sext. <laughs> I want to see what Taylor says about it. <laughs> That's because even though it, I'm 34, it, I'm actually eight. It was fine. I was fine until you said the hour in Latin. I, you, I, yeah. No one should ever say that out loud ever again. We got to stop the show. We're done. Okay. All right, I'm Taylor Scholl. I'll be back next week. That's Father Anthony. He'll be back in a month where we'll do something silly with uh, General Alter. <laughs> Love you guys. See you soon. Bye. <laughs>
you listened to today's episode. We hope that you had enjoyed it. We had an absolute blast recording this episode. Uh, it was It's just been really good to, to hang out with Father Anthony here once a month, and I hope that you guys enjoy it as well. If you did, please hit subscribe wherever you're watching or listening. And if you liked this episode, we, we know just from the analytics that the Father Anthony episodes are some of the most popular, uh, share it with some of your friends. This might be a great way if there's somebody who you know that's Catholic looking for uh, something fun, something lighthearted, uh, share it with them. Share it with somebody who, uh, especially as you're going uh, to traveling for the holidays, get ready for the holidays. Share with somebody that might um, enjoy the show, enjoy uh, our uh, attempts at comedy, enjoy our conversations, enjoy our struggles and our and our sharing about uh, this wonderful faith that we're all a part of. So thank you guys for all of that, and we'll see you very soon. Love you.